Welcome to the Tour Junkies Podcast. This is the Honda Classic 2019. It's a good show, and as always, it's presented by our buddies at mybookie.ag. If you've not already joined mybookie.ag, you need to use promo code TOURJUNKIES, all one word, all lowercase. Get that 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000 and bet on the number one online betting site you could possibly go to. They have everything you want to bet on, every sport, politics, religion, the next pope. You can bet on the Oscars that just happened. You can bet on all kind of stuff over on mybookie.ag. The best customer service around, the best mobile website and application around, and great lines, great service. Easy to deposit, easy to take money out. They got March Madness bets coming up and brackets. It's going to be a blast. Promo code Tour Junkies, check that out. In this episode, me and Pat are going to recap Mexico. We're going to talk about our good time at Cuscawilla, hanging out with our boy John Tillery, PGA Tour coach. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk about the picks. We're going to talk about Honda Classic. It's a little bit of a weak field this week, but uh, nonetheless, we bring it. We've got some interesting uh, selections this week, some interesting theory here. We give you a lot of scrub value down at the bottom, but we give you our favorite GPPs, our favorite cash plays, and our favorite fades in terms of DFS and just betting in general. And then we button it all up with a chunk and run that does get a little inappropriate. So uh, for, for under 18 years, might need to slow it down on the uh, chunk and run when we get to that point. All right, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the podcast, and may your screens be green. What's going on, Golf Addicts? DB here, Pat Perry with me, the Tour Junkies, back at you this week. I believe I've corrected my microphone issue from last week, so I apologize to uh, everyone there. I had a little little mishap in setting that bad boy up last week, but I think we're all good now. And I'm ready to talk a little Honda Classic, but before that, as always, we're going to talk about the week in golf ahead. And... Um, you know, Pat, me and you had a good weekend. We went to Cuscawilla. How are you feeling? Have you recovered from our, our time there at Cuscawilla on Lake Oconee with our boy John Tillery? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm recovered. Uh, it was, it was a rough night, rough morning, really. Uh, not a rough night. Uh, yeah, the morning was the morning a little was rougher. Very. The golf was rough. Yeah. Golf was definitely rough. Um, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. It, it was a great time. We'll go ahead and talk about that. I mean, we went to Cuscawilla, which is a lovely private club on Lake Oconee. John Tillery is a buddy of ours. He's a PGA Tour coach. Currently coaching Kevin Kisner, Scott Brown, Roberto Castro, Bryce Garnett, and Michael Kim. He's a good old Georgia boy. A lot of fun to be around. Smiley and, also, uh, right? Saw, is he, he kind of tink- tinkering Coughlin, with right. Smiley right now? He just picked up Smiley Kaufman, yeah, hoping that hoping that old Smiley he can kind of turn Smiley's game around, which is really exciting for him uh, if he can do that. I think that'd be great. It'd be good to see Smiley playing well again. Um, so JT, good dude, John Tillery Golf. If you're not following him already, it's J Tillery Golf, I believe, on Twitter and Instagram. But we went to hang out with him on Friday afternoon. Pat got a little golf lesson. I got a little golf lesson. Pat got a little club fitting, and then uh, we we had a, a lovely dinner. We recorded a podcast, and it's not out yet, but when it comes out, you guys are going to want to know, and you're going to want to listen. It was extremely insightful and interesting to hear from John's perspective as a coach on the PGA Tour, um, just kind of how things go out there, and uh, we asked him some great questions. He had some fantastic answers, a couple good stories in there that you want to hear about things that happen on the PGA Tour on the road. 
Um, was it really so that it, interesting, and, and, by the way? Because <laughs> I don't remember too much. Did I ask yeah, any yeah, good yeah. questions? I feel like I did. I feel like I was sharp. I think you asked. I think you had a couple of good ones. We we did. We were enjoying um, a nice bottle of Camus, a little bottle of Duckhorn in the middle of that one, and that was after some beers and vodkas. So it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty lit in more ways than one podcast interview with old old John Tillery. But we also got to do something we've never done before because we were in person. We actually videoed it, and so. Uh, it'll take a little bit of time, but we're going to cut it up, we're going to edit it, we're going to put the video on our YouTube channel, and you can watch and listen to the podcast at the same time. We did it right from the, the, the teaching bay there that John basically lives out of when he's not on the road following his, his PGA Tour guys around. So it was a very fun podcast. Like I said, be on the lookout for that in the next probably week or two. It might take us a little bit to get that going, but um, it, it was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um but Mexico, anything else to add to that, Pat? Anything else you want to add to, to the Cuscoilla trip? No, it was, it was a good trip. Thanks for the folks at Cuscoilla. They were they were great towards us, by the way. Just, yes, just the staff at Cuscoilla was amazing. Unbelievable. You, you offended them with your tweet about <laughs> slow play, and they sent, they sent somebody out immediately to come check on us, make sure we were good. Uh, I know, I'm just kidding. I know you didn't mean to. Uh, you're kind of being funny. but uh, Hey, you know, actually... It, I gotta be honest, Pat. You and I have never been anywhere where we kind of got treated a little bit like rock stars, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like Cuscoilla kind of treated us like rock stars. Like it they, really, it was. I was surprised. I was not expecting that. Which is maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, I don't know. It just it's not something I assume anywhere we go, and because uh, it's never happened. But it did. It was. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got like a tour of the facility. We got kind of top-notch treatment at the restaurant we uh yeah had people checking on us on the golf course it was it's it's good to know john tillery it's good to know low people in high places what i always say <laughs> so uh, really appreciate jt and russell and the gang there in cuscawilla it was a lot of fun um and if you if you've ever if you ever get to the lake oconee area in georgia kind of like between augusta and atlanta great golf area cuscawilla great cuscawilla is not um, the only thing there there's there's at least four or no, five really right. good golf courses there. So, um, if you missed it, I think our social media was pretty lit. I would say uh, we had some nice periscopes, some live periscopes. Thanks to thanks to those of you that watched the periscope, participated in that. We gave away some merch on the periscope. That was fun. Um, yeah, so we had a good time. It was a, it was a really good time. We played like absolute garbage, but it was a great time. Um, in other in other news, Mexico was going on. Uh, Chapultepec was happening, and DJ just absolutely obliterated everyone. And you know what? Me and you had a pretty good week. I think a lot of people had some good weeks. We saw some folks tweeting out, saw some green screen disease out there. We appreciate you guys. We had one listener win, take down the uh, the eight dollar five max entry GPP, won the thing, won the thing. You know what? I should find, I should find his uh, his Twitter handle while we're here just because i mean that's a that's a big deal you you win that contest like that that's a that's a big deal anyway um we had some good weeks i i at the last minute kind of loaded up on some dj just because you know he uh he was projected to be so low owned i couldn't believe he was going to be that low owned so i kind of loaded up on him and uh, i'm glad i did because he ended up running away with it all right our boy justin fernandez won the um, $8 five max entry, and, and he had the Golby avatar, the Tour Junkies avatar at the top, so we're about to send him some swag. 
And then another listener, Brian Mack, won mm-hmm. the $33 dog leg. Very nice. Very nice, boys. Good job. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, all in all, good week for me. I think you had a, you had a better week. I doubled my money. I think you like tripled yours, didn't you? Yeah, it was Something a like it that. was a good week. You know, I, a good week. I didn't. Uh, it was funny because Friday when we were sitting together, uh, right before going to see John Tillery at the, uh, we were nestled up at a bar at Lake Oconee, and I, I, I was cashing barely anything, and it just completely flipped on Saturday. I had I had really a, a core that I got onto a little later in the week. I mentioned Sergio in the on the show and in in the Fantasy Golf Sommelier article, but uh, I got on some Cantlay and then uh, and Patrick Reed uh, later as the week went on. Which, by the way, I think I'm going to add a little segment to the the Fantasy Golf Sommelier where I'm going to I'm maybe going to give you a pick of a guy that I didn't mention on the show. But that I've kind of come on later in the week, uh, like this. So I kind of I had this this core of Reed, Cantlay, um, and Sergio, and it just sort of flipped on Saturday. And I remember you and I were riding home after after golf, and I was like, "Man, I'm I'm really I'm doing really well now." All of a sudden, and, and they they had some good rounds on Saturday. They faltered a little bit. It could have been a really good week if those three as my core could have done anything on Sunday than than just what they did because Reed sucked. You know, Cantlay and Garcia were okay, but really couldn't get anything going the whole day. So, but all in all, it was a good week. Yeah, the chalk bomb hit with old Tommy Fleetwood. He was second highest owned, finished seventeenth in DraftKings points scored. So that was a, a nice chalk bomb hit. The fantasy golf sommelier article tends to be both uh, informative and humorous. If you guys are not reading that free content on tourjunkies.com, I don't understand. It's about a five minute read every week. Pat writes it. He puts a lot of effort into it. It is very funny. I guarantee you this. Here's what I guarantee. I can't guarantee that the picks will be any good. Okay? Not going to guarantee that. I'm going to guarantee three things. Number one, that Pat has researched and worked his tail off to write it, which could come as a shocker to most people. Um, Number two, I guarantee you that you will learn something about wine or alcohol. You will learn something. You will learn something that you di- you didn't you you probably didn't know, and number three, you're gonna laugh. So those are three guarantees. And for a free article that takes you five minutes to read, and you're at least guaranteed to laugh and and learn something about some alcohol or some wine that maybe one day you can impress your significant other or some friends. I think it's well worth it. And then possibly also get some decent golf picks as well. I don't understand uh, why there's not more people hitting that thing up, but it's 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 picking up the pace. That's for sure. It's trending up. It is. Right now. It is. And there are a few good picks. You just have to yeah. learn to pick the right ones. <laughs> That's right. You have to sift through our noise. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but it's it is it's definitely a fun article. And actually, starting this week, more than likely, there's going to be a new twist on the fantasy golf sommelier beyond what Pat just talked about. I don't I don't know if it's guaranteed, but we may have a little extra nugget in the fantasy golf sommelier article. Uh, starting this week that I'm also really excited about. So um, we'll, 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 we'll tease it and leave it at that. Um, you know, it, it's getting warm enough now, Pat, because, you know, you and I just played some golf. It's warm enough that today I wore my summer five-pocket pants from Peter Millar. And, and I know it's not summer. It's still February. But here in Augusta, it was like 70 degrees today, 74, sunny. And I felt like, you know what, it's warm enough I can wear the five-pocket pant, which is a fantastic lightweight superior, superior men's pant, okay? 
Um, and, and I know we've talked about it before, but if you're like us, you like the you like the nice clothes. You're a golfer. You know the name Peter Millar. If you don't, you should. It's all about quality, value, style. The most comfortable pants that I have in my in my closet, and I'm so comfortable in them. I'm wearing them right now for the podcast, despite it being late at night. You know, I didn't come home and change into my comfy clothes. Wow, but they're lightweight, highly the... breathable. Hmm. That's yeah, that's, yeah. That's... I'm staying in my. I, I like them. Um, okay. It's high quality Pima cotton, not Puma cotton. We've said that before. They can be worn anywhere. You can wear them on the golf course. You can wear them after the golf course when you have to, you know, walk into your privileged clubhouse and you have to, men have to wear slacks. You can wear them there. You can wear them to work. You can wear them to McDonald's if you want. So they're they're go-to for vacation, work events, golf course, whatever you want to do, and they're flexible enough. I dare say you can do squats in them if you want. You can go to the gym in them. So check them out. Go to PeterMillar.com slash TourJunkies. PeterMillar.com slash TourJunkies. And when you go to that page... You'll see a lot of items on the on that front page that Pat and I have personally had experience with. We've got them in our closets. We like them. There are picks. You can look through that, or you can look through anything else on the Peter Millar website. And uh, when you use that link, you get a complimentary hat and free shipping. So you get a free Peter Millar hat and free shipping when you go to tour, or petermillar.com slash tourjunkies. That's petermillar, M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash tour junkies so check them out we appreciate peter millar staying with us riding the the tour junkies podcast and into the ground so stop by that website and make us look good that's for sure also pat yes um we have a new item that's going up in the shop this week it's not in there yet very excited maybe it may be by the time the people are listening to the podcast. And if you watched our periscopes at Cuscawilla, you saw it. It is the new Tour Junkies players towel, golf towel. You guys have asked for it. We've delivered. In fact, you know what? I'm vaguely remembering this. There was somebody, there was somebody who DM'd us, I believe, and said we need to put a golf towel in. And I think I may have promised that person a free golf towel when we got it. So if that's you... And we're going to know who you are because we have the history. So don't don't bunch of jack legs coming in and act like it was <laughs> All you. of a sudden, yeah, it was my, my idea. Yeah. If that was you, hit us up because we're never going to remember that on our own. We'll gladly send you a free towel. These things are awesome. Here's what happened. We knew we wanted a free towel. We knew we wanted a towel in the in the shop. I went to Adam Hayes, John Rahm's caddy. Been a caddy on the PGA Tour for 19 years. Okay? I said, Adam, we want to do towels in the, in the, in the shop. We want it to be towels for golfers. If you could pick any towel, what would you want it? What qualities would you want it to have? And he says, "Dude, no brainer. You have to use this company called the Players Towel. If I wasn't under contract, I'd be using them." And I was like, "Fantastic! Hook me up." So he gave me their contact info. We got it going. Wham, bam! Thank you, ma'am. Towels are here. They look amazing. We've used them. They the 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 fabric is perfect. They clean perfectly. And in fact, Pat, as muddy as it was at Cuscawilla, I've already washed my towel and it still looks great. Oh wow! Came out I was going to ask you about that. Looks fantastic. So we got those up in the shop. You need to check those out. They're dirt cheap. And get you a uh, a new Tour Junkies towel and wrap it on the golf course. Pumped about that one. Bye. Finally, t- speaking about last thing about swag. How about two hundred and fifty dollars in free Masters Pro Shop swag? How about that? What other podcast is delivering that? If you think to yourself, man, I, you know, it's, it's one thing that I can't even get a ticket to get in the Masters, but at least I'd love to buy some Master swag and it not be from eBay or from some, you know, punk out of his trunk, right? Like, we have you hooked up. We can go to the shop. We will get your size. You will tell us 
your wish list items, and we will be your personal shoppers and pay for it and ship it to you up to $250 in master swag. It's a contest that we've been running now for a couple years, and this is what all you got to do. And a lot of you guys did this last week. We appreciate it. You got to do one of two things or both. You have to go on iTunes and leave us an iTunes review on the podcast, hopefully a five-star review if you don't mind. If you've already left one in the past, you can go back and upgrade it, update it, say something else that you like about the show, and it still counts as an entry, and we get a little tick mark, which is good. It helps the show. Um, and then the second thing you can do is go subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube channel, just search Tour Junkies. We've got a new channel up. Pat released his first video last week. It's a great video for beginners, um, and Pat is ridiculous filming a video, so you want to go check that out. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, that's one opportunity that you can get drawn for this uh, for this Master Swag giveaway. And if you leave the iTunes review, you can also uh, add an entry. So we're going to pick one of those two, and if you do both, you get double double entry for the $250 Master's giveaway. So yeah, a couple weeks before Master's, we'll announce a winner. We'll message you. You'll tell us what you want. We'll go shopping. Drop it to your door. That easy. Boom. Boom. Good all right. Stuff. I think... I think that's all for the announcements, Pat. I'm ready to get into this course breakdown and talk a little uh, Honda Honda Classic. Yes, very excited for the Honda Classic. I feel like we kind of we went through, we, we got here quickly today. We got we got to the Honda quick. That's probably a good thing. That's good. Yeah, I think it is. All right, so yeah, we're at the Honda Classic this week. We've finally made it to the East Coast, the Florida Swing. We don't have to wait till 11 a.m. noon or whatever till our golfers start in the morning. We can wake up, if you're an East Coaster like we are, to our players teeing off. Uh, by the way, that's a little PSA for you. Make sure yeah, you get, make sure you get your lineups in uh, and set before these guys tee off because it's sometimes it's like 6:30 in the morning on the East Coast. So anyway, make sure you do that. Don't don't forget to uh, you know you don't have that time anymore to wait. Uh, for these West these West Coast swing tournaments, but anyway, we are at the Champions Course at PGA National this week. Plays as a par seventy seven thousand one hundred and twenty five yards, which is a little less than last year, but but close to the same. Um, this is a tough course, David. This this course yeah. actually plays as one of the tougher courses on tour. It was second toughest last year. It was sixteenth. In 2017, but that they had less less wind, and I'm going to talk about the wind here in a little bit. And then fifth uh, toughest in 2016. So typically, again, this is a very tough course. You got Bermuda grass, pretty much tee to green. On the greens, they're going to roll about mm, about 11 and a half, 12 on the stump. We got the bear trap. This starts the 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 events with a lot of names and things. You know, of course, we got the Amen Corner at the, at the Masters and. Uh, but but first we got to get through the bear trap and what it, what is it like Copperhead and whatever else at the Valspar and but the bear trap is holes 15, 16, and 17. They all play pretty difficult on the course. I want to note this though: the par three 17th, which is typically one of the toughest par threes on tour, is actually uh, playing not quite as long this year. If you're looking at the scorecard, it was at 190 last year. But actually, at 175, according to what the uh, the tour is putting out there this year, so they may be making that hole a little bit easier. Uh, this is a very open course as far as there's not a whole lot of trees. That's why wind is a big factor. Um, 
you know, it's one. Of, it's got a ton of hazards, a lot of water. There's at least 13 or 14 holes on this course that have water in place. So you got to avoid those. You got to avoid the big number. You just, you got to, you got to hit the fairways. This is really a ball strikers course. I mean, if you look at the past chance, like JT last year, Ricky Fowler in 17, Adam Scott, one of the best ball strikers on tour in 2016, one, Padre Harrington, Russell Henley. I mean, all these guys have traditionally been pretty good ball strikers, and that's something that you got to look at this week. You just can't get yourself in trouble. You got to be good off the tee. You got to be accurate, and you got to hit. You got to hit greens. Um, you know, is I mentioned the wind. I think you know it's obviously a factor in, in making this course very tough. From what I'm seeing right now, the winds actually aren't that that high on Thursday and Friday. Um, so it's you know it's it's not really something that's looking like it's going to be a huge factor right now but you know that can easily change so i'm going to be looking at that come wednesday um as far as stats i I certainly am going to look at course history in recent form i mentioned ball striking that's going to be one of my key stats this week kind of dialing it back a little bit when it comes to the stats um but i did look at ball striking also driving accuracy and bogey avoidance and a little bit of du- double bogey avoidance. Just the guys that can, you know, avoid those big numbers on on these tough courses. So, uh, so there you go. That's that's the uh, the down and dirty rundown on the Champions Course at PGA National for the Honda Classic this week. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> pretty much a- agreement there. It's great to be back on Bermuda surfaces and off of Poa for a lot of these guys, especially the guys that grew up in the southeast um pat you and i played on some very gnarly bermuda surfaces at cuscawilla both the greens and around the greens and the closely mown areas were all bermuda very very thatchy bermuda and they look like that today by the way did you see did you see speaking of john tillery his tweet i did not or not tweet it was it was actually an instagram story today where he sort of rubbed his foot along the the uh, the Bermuda off the green, just like we saw last or at Cuscawilla, the same thing you were talking about. It was very sticky. It, it was uh, it was interesting. You need to go. You need to go check that out. So if you don't follow him on uh, Instagram, I guess those stories are only there for like twenty four hours. But yeah, it was planned very similar to how it was at Cuscawilla. He was doing that at PGA National. Yeah. He's there. Yeah, yeah. He did that to us on Saturday. He did the same. Yeah, on Saturday, what he did with his foot, he did the same thing at. at yeah, that that is some nasty stuff, and and you it made me yippy as all get out. And I'm normally not a bad chipper, and I was like scared to death to swing the club. So it definitely, I, th- I think experience on Bermuda is something I'm looking at. You know, last year we spoke with a, a caddy who had a lot of experience here at the PJ National. Um, mentioned that Bermuda greens and guys who are familiar with Bermuda would have a big advantage. Um, there's obviously got a, a lot of guys that live around here, call this home. He didn't really feel like that needed to be, you know, a big factor. Definitely thought experience mattered. Um, and, you know, mentioned the wind being an issue, but that all, he also said bombers are just going to keep bombing. They're going to keep ripping. You know, and uh, we also know this, that this place has taken on some water. Uh, a lot of rain in February. It's going to have, you mentioned the weather. Um, is going to be okay, but leading up to the tournament, especially on Tuesday, I think there's some more rain in the forecast. I think PGA National, if the wind stays pretty calm, like you mentioned, and I'm seeing the same thing, especially on Thursday and Friday, if the wind stays calm, the rain comes on Tuesday, 
This golf course is going to play a little easier than it has in the past. I still don't think it's going to be super easy, but I think it's going to play a little easier than most years with less wind and it being a little softer conditions. And for me, that that makes me lean even heavier towards the Bombers. This is already a course where, you know, par 70, 7,100 yards, long iron play is essential. So like 150 to 200 yard iron shots from the fairway is, is important, but uh, I think when you've got a wet golf course, it's even more important. Uh, but I'm with you in terms of like greens and regulation. Guys being able to get on these greens is key. There's a lot of water around the green, so it comes into play on your approach play as well. If your guys aren't dialed in and hitting greens, they are in big trouble. Uh, so like you, I mean, I'm, I'm taking into consideration greens and regulation. I'm looking at guys who putt well on Bermuda over the long term. I looked at the last 100 rounds on Fantasy National Golf Club. Um, I'm looking at long iron studs, guys who gain strokes off the tee, whether it's through supreme accuracy or, you know, like I said, leaning a little more towards bombers. Looked at the bogey avoidance number that you mentioned and just grinders in general. Uh, so, so that kind of course fit is what I'm looking at. Uh, and, of course, all stats come courtesy of FantasyNational.com. I believe last week was yet another week where listeners won thousands of dollars i want to say on between twitter screenshots between us and pat mayo and those guys i think i saw like fifty thousand dollars in winnings um for for members at fantasy national last week so if you're not already on fantasy national you've got to get with it go to fantasynational.com slash tj fantasynational.com slash tj to sign up you can try it for a week you can try it for a month you can go ahead and get the year that's the best deal the best value Go ahead and knock that out. If you're if you're interested in stats and you know digging into these stats that we talk about week in and week out, the only place we get them is from Fantasy National, and you can customize them to what you like. You can set your you know your lineup builders. You can work with that. You can look at some ownership projections. You can uh, uh, do all kind of things. You learn about these golf courses and really dig deep for yourself. So if you're kind of the guy that likes to grind it out your on your own. Um, or at least, you know, dabble in it a little bit. Fantasy National is where it's at. He's got all kind of YouTube videos and stuff, too, if you want a tutorial on how to use it. So fantasynational.com slash TJ for the stats. But uh, those are the stats I'm looking at. And, of course, as always, course history, I think, matters, is like our caddy said last last year. Um, he thinks experience makes a difference. I tend to agree here, especially with the difficulty of the course and the Bermuda um, you, you want guys who are familiar, who know what they're doing. Unfortunately, we, you know, we see kind of a, a sub-par field in terms of the Honda Classic. I mean, normally this field's a little stronger. It's a little weaker this year, I think, due to the schedule, the WGC coming beforehand. So you got guys who want to take a break off, you know, a week off before, you know, we really get, get popping with Bay Hill and uh, the Players' Championship and rounding into form come April for the Masters. So, uh, the field's a little crummy, which I'll be honest, Pat, made it a little difficult for me to nail down some of the picks this week. I, I, I don't feel as, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I made some decisions, but because we try to limit the number of picks we hand out, but I definitely have some guys that I'm, I'm struggling with uh, and waffling on. So we'll get to that. Anything else to add on the course breakdown, key stats, or strategy? No, yeah, I kind of agree with you though. As far as making the picks, it's 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 definitely uh, not as exciting as a, of a field as we've had the last few weeks. Um, but I, I do think there's some there's some interesting guys in here. Some some guys we haven't seen or talked about in a little bit that uh, that are that are going to be worth playing this week. 
All right, let's start it off right here at the top, the 9K and above range. We're going to get three GPPs, a cash lock, and a fade from this category. <clears throat> I'll start, and I'll give you my three GPPs that I made myself right down, <laughs> and then I've got to give you kind of another, another bonus strategy, if you will. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the bottom, the, the cheapest guy in this category I like, and that's Billy Horschel. That's probably not a shocker. I think Billy Ho... Maybe a little chalky this week at 9,300 on DraftKings, but man, he is checking the box in greens and regulation, putts well on Bermuda, avoids big numbers, um, has a decent history here, kind of hit or miss. He's missed three cuts in the last five years, but the two cuts he did make, he finished T4th and T8th, uh, so he's a boomer bust type play. He's in okay form right now, but I just think on this course, ball strikers, greens and regulation, 9,300. I like the value that Billy Ho presents. I'm then I'm going to go up to 9600, and I'm going to get back on Webb Simpson. I, I was much higher on Webb last week when he he went into the WGC, and he just didn't end up really putting it all together. Um, he finished 39th in Mexico, but he was 20% owned, and I think some people are going to be a little disappointed in that. He played really well across the board, except he lost a ton of strokes off the tee which is unlike Webb Simpson. So I feel like that's going to regulate a little bit. He still gained almost two and a half strokes with his approach. Um, you know, he's just been in such tremendous form. I mean, four top tens in his last, like, eight events. Um, Webb is just in fantastic, fantastic form. Played here once, and that was last year in his first attempt, and he finished fifth. I think Webb, you know, the the T39 finished last week, pissing off 29% uh, or 20% of – DraftKings lineups, he's going to go a little under the radar this week. That's at least when I'm anticipating a, a bump down in ownership. So I like Webb there. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Billy Horschel, one of two guys in this field, or actually one of, let's see, five or, yeah, five guys in this field to have three or more PGA Tour victories on Bermuda surfaces. So I, I love that about Billy Ho. All right, the last guy that I'm, I made myself write down is Gary Woodland, right above Webb at 9,800. I'm just I'm not going to quit Gary until he just burns me, which I, I don't. I think he may have burned me once this year, but I love it. Uh, the only box he doesn't check is putting, but I looked over a hundred over the last hundred rounds, and honestly, his putting has gotten so much better very recently. I feel like I feel like that's that's okay. Like I'm not worried about it. The ball striking is top notch in every category. He's got a decent history here. He's got a runner-up finish in 2017. Obviously, he's in fantastic form, coming off a 17th place finish at the Mexico at WGC Mexico, seventh at the at the uh, Waste Management, ninth at the Farmers. So, for the record, my GPP picks right now are Gary Webb Simpson and Billy Horschel. With Gary Woodland being my cash play, I feel really solid about starting some cash lineups there with Gary Woodland. But <clears throat> I, I got to say this. We talk about we talk about ownership being a, a huge deal, especially in GPPs. Uh, Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler at the top. I I will play one of those guys. I could not nail it down. I I hate eleven nine. Eleven nine is very pricey for most DraftKings contests, um, and typically I'm all about fading that. But similar to what happened last week. When you got to the, you know, you got to Wednesday night and you go and check fansharesports.com and look at ownership projections and DJs like 10% or less, it's really hard not to have exposure 
to a guy of that caliber. And JT is is right there with him. He's the defending champ. He's in incredible form himself. He's doing everything right at the moment. Um, depending on what ownership looks like, I think I'm going to have a sh- some shares of either Justin Thomas or Ricky Fowler at the top uh, at the top range. So that's that's where I just couldn't nail one down. So I couldn't write it down. It's just a little bonus bonus move for DB. Wow. Okay. Um, I gotta say, it's funny because you you took all guys in the nine K range, and I have two of three guys that are in the ten K range uh, for for my oh, GPP okay. plays. I, and I was the the guy I was with you on was Webb, and I, I think one of the first things you said was I do think there's going to be an ownership drop in him, and you know, he was about twenty percent owned last week. I'm not putting any stock in Mexico. I mean. Like you said, I mean, he did lose strokes off the tee. Also, lost strokes putting, but he's on those terrible that terrible weed, as we as as we could call it, which is Poana, and it's not like a, a great putting service for him. And so I'm just not I'm not really counting what happened last week. I think we are going to get a little bit of ownership dip. So I do like I do like some Web at 9600. Um, I was actually torn between a couple guys. You mentioned. Uh, Fowler and and JT, I think I'm definitely going to play some Fowler. Um, you know, obviously has a good course history here. He did he did miss the cut last year, um, but was won it in 2017. He was top he was T six in 2016. Again, another guy. I think I'm not I'm going to throw out sort of what happened last week. Maybe I'll get a little bit of an ownership dip in him. Um, but you know, he's been in good recent form other than Mexico, you know, winning out at the waste management. Uh, and he had some bad luck with some, you know, we had the whole ruling with his, you know, the stupid drop and whatever else in, in Mexico and, and actually had, you know, played under par after that. Um, so I think Ricky's a, a very good GPP play. Um, but I love Adam Scott too, and and look, the guy's just got a great history here. He's never finished well outside the last four years. He's been he's top fifteen all four years. One in 2016, worst finish was T14 in 2017. He's gained 35 strokes on the field here. His he is you know the epitome of a ball striker, perfect fit for this course, and has been playing well this year. You know it's always sort of putting with him. Um, that 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 tends to be the key, but. I uh, I love some Adam Scott. I think ten seven is a good price for him, and you know I think for cash I, I'm probably going to play some Adam Scott as well. Um, I was close ten three price for Adam Scott. I was Scott, close between 10-7. him and Webb, by the way, on cash. But I think it's it's definitely going to be Adam Scott for me. We were that was. What'd you say? Did I miss somebody? No, you said ten seven for Adam Scott. Ten three. Ten three. Sorry, I I read it. All right, so you're going Fowler, Scott, and Webb for GPPs, and Scott in cash. Correct. And by the way, I want to say Sergio was close for me up in that 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 I, I knocked Sergio yeah. out for for Adam Scott. All right, what about your fade? Who's your fade nine K? <sighs> yeah, you know what? And I liked this guy last week, so it's just kind of weird because I'm flip flopping all around. But I I'm gonna fade Brooks Kepka. I mean. Just not playing very well at all. I mean, you look at um, last week, he lost almost six strokes putting. He's been terrible. <laughs> terrible putting. Yeah. And, I mean, you you like the Bombers this week, I know, but I just I don't see him. He's just not doing anything. His recent form's been terrible. Um, I, I just, 
I got to see something out of them before I'm going to spend up and 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 pay you know ten seven for them. So, old Kepka is going to be my uh, he's going to be my fade this week. Oh, waffling Pat, you should have been a politician, buddy. Just waffling I'm waffling around all around. Guys, I guess, yeah, because I loved him last week. Um, I, I, this is a guy I was on last week, and he sucked. He finished sixty second. So I'm going to waffle on this guy a little bit, although I, I wasn't as I didn't feel as strong on him as you did on Brooks, but I think Alex Noren is overpriced where he mm-hmm. is. I don't know what happened to Alex Noren, but he just doesn't feel like the same kind of player. Um, he does tend to play well in difficult tournaments, uh, difficult courses. I mean, last year he played well at the Players, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship. Um, but I just – he is weird right now. Like, everything is off. If you look at WC Mexico – Lost four and a half strokes uh, approach. Lost over six strokes on the putting green. Lost strokes off the tee. He's lost strokes off the tee every event he's played in, um, except like till the hero, which doesn't really count. So I just think Norin getting the price bump. I'm I'm not interested in him whatsoever. So I gotta say that's I, it. I and I agree with that fade. But can we talk Daniel Berger for just a second? I mean, he's at 9,400, and I know he finished second last week. I watched him at the Puerto Rico Open, but he hadn't really been all that good. So I just I don't get the price here for Berger. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not really in on Berger either. I guess he's. Um, I mean, the only thing about Berger is he is a Florida boy through and through, and getting a little bit of you know love down there in Puerto Rico shaking the rust off a little bit um, after some, you know, having to play on surfaces like not Bermuda. Uh, I could see him doing okay here. Um, I mean, his, his ball striking has been really good. It's just been crappy around the greens. If you look at his last few tournaments, he just sucked chipping and putting. Um, so I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't mind the fade call. I probably won't have much exposure to him. But, um, but yeah, it's, it feels like a little too high price. For a guy who's been as inconsistent as he has been lately, and a second place at the Puerto Rico is something, but it's not—it's not incredible. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. Let's get let's get to the eight K range. We're gonna give you two GPPs, one cash, one fade here in the eight K range. Um, this is another one, man. Like I'm telling you, I just. I'm having a hard time nailing down, like making myself give only two plays here. I like, I like, I have three guys that I can't decide between, but I need to give like officially who are my favorite plays in this range. And I am, <sighs> all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to start with the guy that I feel the most confident, the most confident in. Um, and it's probably not going to come to a shock. It's not, not going to come as a shock to most of you at 8,700. Zach Johnson to me is a value in this field. Anytime you give me Zach Johnson, you know he's a grinder. He plays well on tough golf courses. Major, multiple major champion. Um, <clears throat> you know can 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 grind it out with the best of them. Avoid bogeys. He checks that box. Uh, putts well on Bermuda. Greens and regulations doing pretty well right now. Um, you know form is okay. It's nothing nothing amazing. It's okay. Uh, for uh, history here, kind of okay. Made two of the, two of his last four cuts here. Um, best finish being a twenty seventh. So not not amazing, but I, I just like the upside always with Zach Johnson in the eight K range. I mean, I 
I'd take Zach Johnson at 8,700 over Daniel Berger any day of the week at 9,400. Any day of the week. Um, so he's the one I feel the best about. By the way, he's also my cash play in this range. Uh, also, up there near the top, the other two guys that I'm having a problem with are right above him, Glover and Grillo. I, I just can't seem to nail it down. I think I'm going to go Emiliano Grillo, who's um, made three or three cuts at this event with a T8 last year. Uh, you know, Didn't play that great in Mexico, but at least he played. We saw a little, saw a little form out of him uh, at times. Checks the box in greens and regulation. He's the best player in this field in greens and regulation if you look over the last 36 rounds. Checks the box in bogey avoidance. And um, I know that he loves this golf course. He's on record talking about how much he enjoys this golf course. He likes the challenge uh, that it presents. So I'm going to go with Grillo. I got Glover as a close third. Wow, okay. So um, I'm not really with you on Zach Johnson. I, I just don't know. I feel like you were too iffy there, too. But um, we can talk about that. How could you not be? I wasn't iffy. I said he was my my most confident play in this range. I was iffy on Glover and Grillo. I know you were. His, he was like your most confident play, but then he was like, okay, he's got okay course history, okay recent form. He just really didn't, I don't know. I was surprised when you said he was the one you were most confident about. Oh, man, I love ZJ. I think it's a great play. Anytime ZJ's less than 9K, I think it's a good play, especially in a weaker field like this. Okay. Well, I'm on I'm yeah. on Glover. Uh, I think, uh, which is kind of weird. Here, Here's Flip-Flop and Pat just all over the place. You know, I hated him the last few weeks when you were on him, but I like some Glover. I mean, he's always known as a pretty good ball striker. Putting's a key for him. Um, you know, had a stretch here where he missed three cuts leading up to uh, 2017. But then he had a 21st finish in, in 2017, was top 20 last year. Uh, so I, I, I like him, and I, I think he, as a matter of fact, he will be my cash play also. I think just a solid guy. Don't mind the price. I mean, I'd like him to be a little bit cheaper, but in a field like this, I mean, that's probably just about right. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to be on some Glover at 8,800. 8, I also like JT Poston at 8,400. Uh, he was T27 here back two years ago in 2017. Has been really solid lately. I mean, you look at his last three tournaments. He was 28th at the Genesis Open. He was 26th at the Waste Management. He was top 40 at the Farmers. He's a guy that just typically, week in and week out, I mean, he's, he's, he's not a bomber, which is what I know you love. But he's fifth in the field in bogey avoidance, so never really gets himself into into too much trouble. I don't think he's got, you know, he's not going to win this freaking tournament. But I think he can get a top ten, maybe a top fifteen. Um, so I like I like some posts in at eighty four hundred, and I think it's you know he's certainly going to be low owned. He should be if he's not. But uh, so there you go. That's uh, yeah, he'll be low owned. I. I'm not a huge fan of the play. He will be low owned. I think I think Poston gains too many strokes with a short game, and I think he's going to have to ball strike it here. And you mentioned that was important. I'm out. I'm out on the Poston play. Disagreement. Okay, that's fine. Uh, the, <laughs> the the fade this week for me. I, I've got a fade. I mean, Charles Schwartzel, eighty three hundred. He. He played good in Puerto Rico. He did, but other than that, he's been crap. He's also yeah, he's been and, and bad. if you look at the stats, there's not a. I mean, 
And you're right. I mean, I do like ball striking, and JT Poston is not at the top of the field. I mean, he's in the in the top 60 in ball striking, but he's not, you know. But but Schwartzel's even worse. He's at 106 in the field in ball striking, 136 driving accuracy. Uh, he's 83rd in bogey avoidance. He's really just not doing anything that I like. So I just I don't see. To me, he should be way cheaper than he is. So I'm going to fade some uh, some Charles Schwartzel this week, despite having a good week at the Puerto Rico Open. Well, my fade is going to be Matt Wallace at 8,500. Uh, I like Matt Wallace as a as a player. I like him. He's a bomber. He plays well on the European Tour. He's got a decent you know decent career over there. A couple wins. It's been a little spotty lately on the European Tour. Then he came over here and played his first event. Um, you know, this season, uh, WGC Mexico finished 33rd, and I, I'm shocked that he finished 33rd. He lost six strokes on approach, but he gained, uh, he gained about, uh, well, he gained over six in strokes gained around the green and putting. Um, and he's not normally known for that on the European tour. He's known as a bomber, a ball striker kind of guy, but clearly did not play well in Mexico. Could have been altitude, could have been some of that. But if you look at him historically, he doesn't play well in tough events uh, on the on U.S. soil. So um, Matt Wallace at 8,500, zero history here, not a lot of experience on Bermuda. I, I wouldn't want any listener to pay 8,500 for Matt Wallace. So um, I don't mind that. And, and there weren't too many guys in here that I feel <clears throat> like I feel – Pretty confident in in Matt Wallace, and then I would say Charles Schwartzel as fades. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Michael Thompson at 8K. 8K is ridiculous to pay for Michael Thompson, but I'm not going to say don't play him. Like he's obviously in tremendous form, and he's found a little something. Uh, he's won here before, I believe, is his only PJ Tour win. Um, he's a good ball striker. I mean, he's. So I'd rather play. He's a good ball striker too. Top 15 in the field right now, and he's. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that I'd rather play him than Schwartzel or Wallace, but, um, yeah, I don't mind a lot of these guys in the 8K range if you just really want to play them. So. All right, I've started the first two. Why don't you hit us with the 7K, Pat? Three GPPs, a cash uh, play, and then we're going to talk through two fades. All right, so starting with the GPPs here in the 7K range, uh, after a little bit of a break, I'm going to go with – some Sung J M. I know he misses his last couple cuts on tour, um, but a guy you know checks the box and he's he's actually fourth in the field in ball striking. He's fourth in the field off the tee. Uh, he's in the top thirty in the field in, stru- in uh, DraftKings scoring. Uh, you know I think the 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 break could have been a good thing for him. Um, so despite those missed cuts, as a matter of fact, if I could get a little bit of a lower ownership because of that, I'm, I'm all right with that. Um, so I like some M at 7,300. Also, CT Pan at 7,800. I, I think he's a good good play as well. Um, he's got pretty good course history here. Um, you look at uh, the last few years, he was top 20 last year. He was T37 in 2017. I'm okay with that for a guy that's uh, – you know, down here below 8K, um, you know, been in in decent decent recent form. Uh, well, I say that now that I look at it, it's actually not fantastic or anything. It's not it's great. It's not great, but yeah. but I do think he's he's a good play this week. And you're kind of you know you get below this 8K range too. You're also uh, 
there, there's a little bit of a stretch here. But I like driving accuracy more so than you probably do this week, just keeping yourself in play off the tee. He's top 25 in the field there. Also checks the box and bogey avoidance for me also as well. So I like some CT pin. Also, I'll tell you what, this guy's. It's, it's this is like my liver. This guy is just never. I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to get him right. But I think Jacqueline Neiman, just his ball striking. Jacqueline. Jacqueline <laughs> Neiman. His whole his ball striking is just it comes. Just grabs you. I mean, he's six in the field in ball striking. He's given himself opportunities for birdies. He's eleventh in the field in opportunities gained. I know he hasn't been great this week, this year, but I just, I don't, know. I can't quit him. Cannot quit him. So I'm gonna play some Neiman at 7600. What else did you want? Did you you fall for the dewy slopes of Joaquin Neiman every single week? That is for sure. He's gonna, he's gonna know, just, he's, just, he's just my nemesis this year, but. Uh, you know, and I—he's your—he's your Neiman sis. Yeah, and I think I—and I, actually, all three of those guys, I—I I feel more confident from a tournament standpoint. And I think this guy you could play as well, but I do like him as, in cash, and that's Graham McDowell. You know, he's played—he's got you know good course history here. He's—he's um, he's come on a little bit more recently. Um, and by the way, when I say course history, his—he did miss the cut last year, but before that, he had a T14. He had a fifth place finish. In 2016, um, you know he's he was 42nd in Puerto Rico, which isn't great, but he had a top 20 uh, at Pebble Beach. Uh, so I, I think that McDowell is just one of those guys. Now, obviously, he's not a Florida guy because I know Graham McDowell is not from Florida, but he's lived in Florida for a quite some time. So very used to the Bermuda greens and Bermuda surface. So I think that is uh, that's good as well. Also, a guy that really never gets into too much trouble. Um, it checks a box and bogey avoidance. So I, I like some Graham McDowell in in cash at seventy six hundred. I'm I'm okay with playing him there. All right, yeah, I don't mind a little a little GMAC. Um, so my favorite play in this range is CT Pan. I'm with you on him one hundred percent. Does check the box and bogeys avoidant uh, avoided and greens and regulation. Just seems like a, a solid play here. He's also my cash lock. The next couple plays that I have here in GPPs, I went down. I went down in the in the hollows and and snatched them, snatched them out. Um, the first guy's a bomber. The second guy is definitely not. But I'm gonna go with a guy who's been absolutely smoking hot lately, but finally took a break. Finally. You know, took a chill pill. Finally, just went home and relaxed for a couple weeks because he was playing like seven events in a row. Trey Mullinax at seventy-one hundred is a southeastern boy. He's gonna be more familiar with Bermuda surfaces, but he had he had rattled off some great tournaments here in a row. Uh, he's gained twenty-two strokes in his last four events. That's at the uh, Pebble Beach, the Waste Management, Farmers, and the Desert Classic, and at only seventy-one hundred dollars. Um, I'm, I'm quite interested in Mullinax. Now he's only played here once and he missed the cut, <clears throat> but with softer conditions, maybe less wind, he can probably, uh, rip away and, and do his thing. And I like that. He's sixth in this field and strokes gained off the tee and, uh, checks the boxing greens and regulation as well. And I, I see Mullinax being like sub 5%. Um, so I like him in a lot of tournaments. And then I, I think Jim Furyk at seven thousand. <laughs> wow! One of, you hated one on of the me more so bad solid for that pick a couple weeks ago. Well, 
yeah, I mean, that was a couple weeks ago. I think it's a solid play. This week, he is first in this field in greens and regulation um, over, the, over the last 36 rounds that I looked at on Fantasy National. He's 11th in bogey avoidance. He's not a bad Bermuda putter. Uh, he's got plenty of experience here as well. Uh, yeah, not recently, but he finished 46th here last year, and he's been playing really good. I mean, 37th at the Genesis and 14th at Pebble um, for a total of 13 strokes gained over the last two events at 7K. I think old Jimmy Furyk for that cheap. I mean, cheap, you need a cut maker. He's going to grind it out, not get in a whole lot of trouble and find himself in all these, you know, on all these ponds and lakes and water holes and stuff i think that's a good move for, i don't uh, i don't mind it so you know especially if you want to get if yeah. you want to get uh like we talked about earlier you want to fit some jt in and some or some ricky um you're gonna have to go down here yeah exactly yeah um all right my two fades in this range i, I think it just as much as it sucks because you look at you look at course history and uh it's amazing but uh, jason duffner i just I can't see. I mean, his course history is very, very good, um, but he has basically sucked balls for a long time uh, here lately. He's gaining, he's losing strokes off the tee, losing strokes in approach, losing strokes putting um, in the last five, ten, and twenty tournaments that he's played in. He's just, he's just not good. And I know the history's there, but something is up with Duffner. And I'm not willing to pay even $7,200 for it. Now, the next guy, I think, is a is somewhat of a chalky fade. Because I do think he'll be high-owned, and I'm shocked you didn't say his name. At 7800 Russell Knox is a fade for me. He does have good course history here. He likes this golf course. He lives in Jacksonville now. He's quite familiar with Bermuda, I am sure of it. However, if you look at the last 100 rounds, he sucks putting on Bermuda. He's 114th in this field in strokes gained putting on Bermuda surfaces, and he's 93rd in strokes gained off the tee. He's not a long hitter, and even for a short knocker, he's not that accurate. He's still not gaining a lot of street strokes off the tee with accuracy. Now, he does, you know, he, he finds a way to hit greens, and he finds a way to avoid bogeys, but I'm not crazy about that number. Um, I know he's in decent form. I just, the other the other problem that I have is if, if you, there are certain players where, you know, you'll hear us say, hey, he's going to be chalky, but I don't care. I'm going to play him. And then there are some players, and for me, one of those players would be Russell Knox, where I don't care how many boxes he's checking, how good his recent form is, how good his course history is, what his price is, I don't play a chalky Russell Knox. And my my thought is that come come Wednesday night, when we check Fanshare, he's going to be chalky. And by the way, this is a great time to say you make you need to make sure you check Fanshare come Wednesday night. I'm going to be checking it to see about that whole JT Ricky Fowler, you know, combo going on up there up top. But also, I just want to confirm that Russell Knox is going to be chalky. I think he is, but FanshareSports.com is going to tell us. If you go to FanshareSports.com and sign up using promo code Tour Junkies, all one word, all lowercase, you get 20% off any subscription. That's a weekly subscription. You can do monthly. You can do an annual subscription. 20% off those guys are giving you um, fantastic stuff over there. They, they, were, they, they were very dead on with ownership last week, especially at the WGC Mexico, um, and Fanshare just continues to kill it. And they're working on some new stuff over there. They're constantly improving the site. We really appreciate those guys. They've been partnering with us for a long time. So FanshareSports.com, 
You need to check those guys out. They're also who we reference in the Chalk Bomb every single week. If you've not if you've not subscribed to the Chalk Bomb, you need to do that too. But Fanshare helps us out with the Chalk Bomb week in and week out, not in making the pick of who it's going to be, but in helping us you know, better understand ownership as they listen to all the podcasts, read all the articles, look at all the tweets, and figure out who's getting talked up and who's not. But I have a feeling Russell Knox is going to get talked up, and a chalky Russell Knox is not for me. Yeah, I mean, he's not one of my picks as far as this the show is concerned for my favorite, you know, GPP plays or a cash play uh, in this range. I, I'm not going to hate it if you take him though. I mean, look. By the way, the week I was on him, I think if it, if it wasn't the AT and T, he was where he was T14. Then it was the waste management where he was T10. So it wasn't like he was a bad pick. Um, he did he did very well. So uh, and so I, I can't really. I don't know if I'd fade him. I probably disagree with you there, but I do agree with the uh, the ownership call. I think he is going to be a little bit higher owned, and and, and if that's a, the 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 main reason to fade him, then then I'm okay there. You know, and he's missed the last two cuts here, but I feel like, and I could be wrong on this, but I feel like he, but you know, he was he just the last two years hasn't been in great form as opposed to this year where he has um, or been in better form. Uh, and when he was in good form, you know, he played well here with two straight top five finishes in T26 in 2016. So I don't know. You actually, I don't, somehow you may have actually talked me into playing Russell Knox, um, which, is, which is crazy. But yeah, I mean, so I got a couple fades here, but I got also got a PSA fade. And, and I don't, and maybe this is just me and nobody's going to even look at him. But I don't understand why we Kim is seventy seven hundred. Like I feel like this is a, a, a case study. I need to figure out what's the deal here. Like he's missed two cuts here in two thousand sixteen and two thousand seventeen. I'm assuming that's the only two times he's played here. Um, he hasn't made a cut in forever. He withdrew at the Genesis. Well, actually, I take that back. He made a made the cut last week at the Puerto Rico Open, where he finished T seventy one. So that's probably dead last. He withdrew from the Genesis, miscut at the AT and T, miscut at the Waste Management, miscut at the Farmers. I don't get this price. If any listener out there can tell me what it is, what reason he is at seventy seven hundred, I would like to know. But anyway. Yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have great numbers. Yeah, and, sure. and none of the stats fit for him. He's like outside of the top 100 in the field and like ball. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I don't get it. So just kind of a PSA. I don't don't play him. Jimmy Walker at 7500. He's a guy that does have actually some some decent course history here. He's he's made the cut three straight years. Uh, you know, with a 33rd, a T21, and a T43. But, you know, just haven't really liked where, where he is as far as his game. I mean, he made the cut at the Genesis, but pretty much finished dead last. Missed the cut at the AT&T. Uh, T44 at the Waste manage- Management. Missed the cut before that at the Farmers. So, I don't, I don't like some Jimmy Walker. Um, and also Chesson Hadley, another guy, just hasn't been in great form. He did. How many fades are you giving us? Well, Weekend was sort of just a... A note. Uh, well, that wasn't really my. Favorite. Well, he was clearly a fade. He is a fade, but it was it wasn't real. I just had to throw that out there because I just didn't understand it. Anyway, moving on. Since you seem to just want to cut me off, let's go on to the six K range. All right, who you got? Six K. Any GPP plays you like? I like two guys here. I like Jonathan Vegas at sixty eight hundred. 
checks the box in ball striking. He's top 25 in the field there. Um, you know, he's got decent course history here. I mean, it, you know, when you're talking about 6K guys, um, I say that. Yeah, he's got decent course history here. Um, I'm all over the place with what I'm looking at on my computer. But, you know, he was T4 back in 2017. Uh, had a, Was T12 back in 14. So, again, for a guy in 6,800 range, I, I like that. Um, his recent form has been sort of off and on. He, he missed the cut last week at the Genesis, but was top 10 at the Waste Management. So Vegas, I think, could be a decent flyer kind of pick here this week. Uh, he's also top 15 in the field in bogey avoidance. Uh, and then Anders Albertson at 6,800. So he does check the box in ball striking, top 20 in the field. Also, he's number one in the field in opportunities gained. So there's a scoring stat for you. He has missed four straight cuts at the Genesis, the AT&T at, at Pebble Beach, and the Waste Management, and the Farmers. But you know what? Most all of those, if not all of them, were on Poana greens, which he obviously putted terrible on. But he was good at the RSM Classic, where he was a top 15 finish back in uh, the fall. So I think getting him back on some Bermuda greens could be the uh, the medicine for him to do well. So I, I like some Anders Albertson at 6,800. And this was tough. This range, by the way, was really tough for me. I had a hard time with it. Yeah, I got a few guys I like, though. I got, I've got a quartet of Southerners is what I have right here. I'm going to go ahead and give my first two official favorites, okay? And that is at 6,800. Stuart Sink, I think, is a pretty easy play. A Georgia Tech boy, obviously quite familiar with, uh, with with Bermuda grass surfaces and things like that. Played here the last five years, hasn't missed a cut yet. Um, with uh, T26 being his best finish in 2016, I just think Sink makes a lot of sense just as a steady player and likely uh, you know a good a good cut maker. Uh, in terms of a GPP flyer that I think could go could go low if things are clicking, another Southerner, a Louisiana boy, Sam Burns, just above him at 6,800 or same price. Sorry, um, not checking a lot of boxes. Recent form's been a little suspect, but he pops. That's what he does. He's just a GPP guy right now. He just he pops here and there. And when he pops, he really pops. He does check the box in strokes game putting on Bermuda. Uh, so obviously likes these green surfaces, and I think, um, you know, just a guy with a lot of upside, that's all I'm saying. I think he'd be happy to be on Bermuda surfaces. Another guy who I think is going to be very happy to be on Bermuda surfaces is our one of our favorites at 6,700, Mr. Keith Mitchell. I'm, I'm going to hop back on. Now that he's kind of getting out of that West Coast swing BS, um, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be happy. I think he's going to be very happy to see some Bermuda grass – um, he just plays better on, he just, he just does. He just plays better on Bermuda grass. He gains strokes off the tee. He's definitely a bomber. Gains strokes in his approach play. He's eighth in greens and regulation over the last 36 rounds, fifth in strokes gained off the tee. So if he can kind of find a little bit of form that he's lost in this West Coast swing, <clears throat> I think he's another interesting GPP move. And I mean, if you think about it, we've seen Keith Mitchell higher, way higher priced with, um, with a lot of chatter in DFS, and I think with the recent form having fallen off, you know, there's a chance that uh, that, that some of that subsided. He's probably sub five percent owned. I'd be willing to bet. So, uh, and then my final Southerners and North Carolina boy, 
um, who just finished second uh, in Puerto Rico. Now, his course history here sucks, but he just finished second in Puerto Rico. He's never made a cut here, uh, but he does check some boxes. Johnson Wagner, seventh in greens and regulation, sixth in strokes game putting on Bermuda, and 12th in bogey avoidance when I looked at, at, at kind of the model that I ran on Fantasy National. Um, so coming off the T2 in Puerto Rico, kind of a, you know, um, a similar surface over there. I, I like I like what's what's coming in Johnson Wagner. Can I this dirt cheap? Can I so. uh, can I say something very childish about Johnson Wagner? So his his name. <laughs> yes, we can all guess what it is. His name is Johnson. Uh, did you know that all four of his rounds at the Puerto Rico Open were sixty nines? All right, I think it's time for a one and done plays <laughs> this week. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Pat. All right. um, you can check you can fact hey, check me there if you need to. No, I'm 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 pretty sure you're probably right on that. I'm pretty sure. Um congratulations to you, Johnson Wagner. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um All right, so it's time for one and done, which we have now that we've remembered this one, that means we've probably remembered half of our one and done picks this year. And I got to give a shout out to our boy Matthew, who slides up in our DMs on a weekly basis and tells us, dude, you forgot your freaking one and done. Um, we told him last week, we were like, he sent us a, a Twitter DM and was like, don't forget your one and done. We'd already done it. And I was like, hey, man, you know, this is kind of the sweet spot for you to send us this, this DM. And right, right as he sent us a DM tonight, he sends us, don't forget your one and done pick. Perfect timing, Matthew. Oh yeah, great, great MMJ. timing, Matthew. By the way, uh, I didn't. I don't think it had "Do Not Disturb" on, so any of the buzzing that just happened about mm, ten minutes ago is all your fault. But I appreciate your help, Matthew. <laughs> now, now, like your boy Johnson Wagner, Matthew's Twitter handle is at mmj sixty nine sixty nine. So there you go, Pat. You can laugh at that. You can chuckle at that one later. <laughs> okay, that's good. See, that was that's that's okay. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, all right, one and done selections. Now, my one and done last week was Hideki Matsuyama, who finished, I believe, nineteenth. Won me like a hundred grand. Who'd you have? John Rahm? Is yes. that who you had? Gosh, what a waste! Yeah. He's like in forty. That's unfortunate, buddy. Yeah, I still think I'm ahead um, of you, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure you're ahead of me. I'm pretty sure you're ahead of me. I'm I'm like just inching along. That's what I'm doing. I'm just just inching along. No big deal. Just barely just barely getting through it um i'm gonna make this short and sweet i'm gonna go with a guy who i likely won't have in dfs unless unless i play a lot of cash games which i normally don't if i play cash i might have him and if he's low owned on fansharesports.com come wednesday night i'll probably add some shares to him but i didn't mention him tonight i'm gonna have sergio garcia as my one and done play okay I mean, I can't. I, I'm okay with that. I, I like the form. I like the history. Checks the boxes. I mean, he's 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 probably. In fact, I think he's probably the only guy. You know what? Other than Stuart Sink, he is the him and Stuart Sink the only two guys in this field that have played PGA National the last five years, every single year, and made every cut. Hmm. So there you go. All right, well, I'm going to stick with my theme of it's not working, of going with studs. 
which I think Sergio is a stud this week. And I was sort of like I was torn between mentioning Fowler or Garcia as my GPP play in the uh, over in the over 9K range. Uh, I ended up going with Fowler, and so I'm going to go with him as my one and done also. Oof. You want to burn up Fowler? I'm going to burn up Fowler. PGA National? He's mm. won here before. So why, why? He won here two years ago. You don't think he can – he can't win again. No, I just think he can't lot, win again if he won here two years ago. Of, no, I'm not saying that. I just think there's a lot better courses. I think I'd rather have Fowler on. That's all. Okay, but yeah, no. we, good. you know good what? You. We you can't talk when it comes to one and dones, and neither can I. Can I really? So shut your mouth. <laughs> um. All right, let's get to the chunk and run, and we'll take us out of here, uh, old Pat. Um, the first question we thought we'd address a little bit about what we learned from uh, our buddy John Tillery this week. So John, as we mentioned, PGA Tour coach, knows a lot about what he's talking about. The question is, what's a key takeaway or an idea that John Tillery shared with you that you were surprised and that you would share or that you would share with struggling golfers out there? Um, Pat, I'll start. Or do you want to start? Would you like to start? I mean, it's whatever, you know. Okay. Go ahead. I was I was pretty shocked at the whole tempo thing that he that he hit us with. Not that not that you don't hear golf golf people talk about tempo in a golf swing, but the fact that he but it made a lot of sense. He talked to us about like where speed occurs in the golf swing, and for me and Pat, it actually occurs in similar in similar places, but at, at kind of different rates. So, like, he talked about my backswing and Pat's backswing. So, my backswing is slow. Like, I have a slow backswing, and then I get to the top, and I rip it, right? Pat has a little faster backswing, but he gets to the top and kind of holds it there, a little Hideki-like, if you watched our videos. Pat kind of gets there and just kind of holds it there. John said he takes a nap at the top, and then he rips it, right? But John's whole point was... You know, for you to get maximum speed, you have to have momentum in that opposite direction somehow. It's hard to have maximum speed from a standstill or from slower momentum. So he talked about how, you know, for me, I need to speed up my backswing so that I have more momentum and my lower body is turning and rotating a little bit faster. And then and it's more in sync with my chest and arms and hands and shoulders so that then when I start the downswing, it's it's more of a, a whip action, and it's not so jerky at the top because I don't feel like I have to gain all this speed right now because I already have a little bit. And then for Pat, he basically just said, you know, get to the top and don't take a nap. Like, get to the top and change directions and go. Don't get to the top, change directions and stop. Um, and then he put us on a metronome, and he was like, I think, what was it, like 67 beats a minute mm-hmm. or something? It was basically like, boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. And like that's how fast he wanted the backswing to start on the first beat and impact on the second. So even with a driver. So it's like boom, boom. And it was like much faster than I'd ever been taught before. So it was kind of crazy because I didn't really see that coming. If anything, I would think like, okay, slow down, like make sure your positions are right and all this BS. But it was very much all about tempo, um, which was interesting to me. That kind of surprised me. I thought of that as a surprising thing in order to, like, speed up that tempo. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, actually, you kind of you kind of took mine a little bit there because I was going to say that it was a tempo thing for me. And, um, 
it, it was it was very interesting and i think you know a lot of times i always thought well i need to slow it down at the top of my swing so i don't get quick but he made so much more sense that you you really got it, you know yeah you may not be quick if you're going slowing it up at the top but you're not generating enough speed and and whatever else and and i think i've lost distance over the years and probably mainly because of that fact that i've, I've just gotten a little slower at the top so it was really cool to see. I, I think the biggest thing for me um, is technology. I mean, if you haven't, if, if you're into your game and bettering yourself at golf, but you haven't gone and, and been with a, a teacher, it may not be the caliber of John Tillery, but, but all the technology that, that they have at their disposal right now is incredible to me. And... Um, there's there's plenty of people that have the same type stuff that John Tillery has in almost any town that you can go to and see and get numbers and whatever else. And I don't I haven't taken too many lessons lately for a long time. I've been sort of like I'm I'm kind of like you know well let's say I'm not Bubba Watson, but Bubba Watson is more self-taught Yikes. and Yikes. he goes by feel and that kind of stuff. I've always been sort of like that with my game, but it is very interesting with the technology and you really can learn a lot if you if you use it to your advantage and it's also i got fitted for clubs and so that was you know sort of eye-opening for me as well highly recommend if you're getting new irons um or drivers for that matter you got to get fitted now i mean it's it's just a must so um all of that was key for me um by the way part of the question was what were you most surprised about and you kept cutting this out or not recording during this time when JT would say this, but he actually mentioned a few times. I think you probably you were hoping that I would forget this or that the the alcohol would would make my memory just like just zap this away. But actually, he said I had decent speed, and I think you remember him saying that decent speed. He did. He did. I was happy to hear that decent speed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he said that. I think he, had, I think he was two bottles of wine in. But yeah, I do think he said that. That's good for you. Um, all right, this is a question that we got a while back, and I don't have a record of who sent it to us. It was a while back. Here's the, the run portion of the night is is about jobs, Pat, and not the jobs that Robert Kraft endured mm. uh, recently. My um, because we, I'm sure we speaking of the sure 69 theme. Okay, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's not what he did. Yeah, that's not what he uh, That would have been more expensive yeah. than the $100. Yeah. He, um, all right, these people want to know, very first job, your best job, and your worst job, and any good stories that go along with that. So your first job, your best job, and your worst job. Pat, what was your what was your first job? This is, I know this was like long, time long, ago. long time ago, but I, I still ago. do remember my first job, which was... Uh, uh, working during Christmas uh, on a Christmas tree lot. Yep. As you, uh, not yep. a farm, but a lot. So I would help. Did you? Were you a? Were you the chief flocker? Did you flock? Flock. Yeah. What do you mean flock? You you don't you don't you worked on a Christmas tree farm? You don't know what a flock tree is? Is that like cut like taking the chainsaw and cutting stuff off of it? No, a flocked tree is when they like they put the stuff on there to make it look like snows on the limbs, and then they you like let it sit there for a day, and it stays on the tree to make it look like it's got snow on. Oh it. no, we didn't do any of that. We're these are Fraser firs from North Carolina. You don't you don't add anything to a tree like that. They're they're just the good smelling trees, and 
you, there's a tent and you're underneath you got all the trees in the tent and you go in there and somebody picks one out and you grab it get a chainsaw cut off some limbs put it on their truck or whatever and you get a decent tip sometimes mm, okay. that's my first job alright what was your best job you've ever had man it's 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 uh, the tour junkies <laughs> does that count that's a cop out answer. No, no that does that not count. count. Okay, this is not a job. Uh, I would say my best job ever was when I was in college. I worked for everybody knows. I, I went to uh, the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. I worked at a sporting goods store called Bulldog Sporting Goods. And uh, if you're if you're from Athens, by the way, or you you know or you went to Georgia, you probably know that store. I loved it. It was an awesome job. Basically, we just goofed off all, all day, sold some sporting goods, had great go. people that I worked with. So, yeah, that's probably my, my best job. Nice. My worst job right. was also in college. <laughs> so, my worst job was uh, one summer. I spent one summer in Athens because uh, I, I had to pick it up a little bit. I had some poor grades. And uh, I worked for Guthrie's chicken fingers uh so guthrie's is like if Ugh. you know of a like if you know of, of zaxby's basically guthrie's was zaxby's yeah. before zaxby's so they had a uh they had a, a sauce that was very i think zaxby's by the way and well sorry i can't we have some people that we know that work in zaxby's but zaxby's sauce <laughs> and guthrie's sauce did have some similarities that's all i'll say but at guthrie's all they had was like two things on the menu they had the chicken finger box and the chicken finger sandwich and french fries. That was it. But I was in the kitchen all summer long slinging chicken fri- chicken mm. fingers. I'd come home just greasy as all get out. It just it was a terrible job, but I had to do something during the summer and uh, there you go. That was my worst job. Um, you know what I just remembered, Pat? We were supposed to do the chunk and run segment on um, like hothead moments that we've had in sports after the Sergio and Bryson deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we forgot to do that. So we'll do that next week. We'll do that next week. Um, all right. So my first job was um, putt-putt golf and games. <laughs> I worked at putt-putt and i was the i was the best damn party captain is what they call this uh you've ever had and i knew how to throw a party i knew how to work the moms you know you got your hourly wage but you also got a tip at the end so i was managing the birthday parties i was managing all the little all the little punks running around but i was really good at working the moms and the moms liked me and I got good tips, and I did my thing. The only crappy thing about that job is having to every now and then slip on the Buster Ball mascot suit. Um, that was never a ton of fun. But, you know, there, there were probably worse things that could have happened. The only other story I have from that job is one day we were my boss during the summer decided he wanted to pressure wash the mountain, like the little cliffs that are uh, right above the bumper boat pond. And so he drained the pond, so now there's nothing but concrete there. And then he wanted me, because I was the spry 16-year-old, to climb the rocks with the pressure washer and pressure wash the top half of the rocks while he was below me pressure washing the bottom half. So I'm up there, and I'm like literally hanging on to a rock in one hand and pressure washing the top of the rocks in the other hand about 12 feet up on the ground. 
and my boss is pressure washing below me and hits my foot with the pressure washer, knocking my foot out from under me, and I fall 12 feet on my back onto the concrete pond of the bumper boats, which was not fun. In retrospect, I probably should have sued him, but I didn't. Um, so that, that was that. My best job is definitely the job I have now, which I've shared before. I work for a software company right now, and um, it's easily the best job I've ever had. Most flexible, a lot of fun. The worst job that I ever had was either just the F&B world, although there were some fun times, like if you ever waited tables, like I waited tables for five years in college, like waiting tables was, was definitely, um, there were some fun moments, but there was also days where I just hated life. But my worst job was probably my next job after putt-putt. I was, I was 16 it was during the summer. I, I, my my um, my brother-in-law owned a owned a moving company. Oh, and yeah. I went with him during the summer to pack people's houses and move them. That's awful. And oh, it was the freaking worst. It was the to me like I can't imagine. It was awful. Like literally, and and when I say like we pack people's houses, like we would show up at people's houses. They knew we were coming, and they're moving all the way across the country, and nothing in their house would be packed up. That was our job. So, like, I would walk in a house with crap everywhere, people not prepping anything, and you packed everything, everything in a drawer, everything on a shelf, all the furniture, everything left that house but the toilets and the sinks, and we packed it, we'd pack it, then we'd load it in the truck, then we'd drive to wherever we are going, then we'd unload it. It was the worst job ever. The only thing the good about that job is I got an education on life. Um, there was one particular moment, and this this is a little, well, I'll just say it was me, my, my brother-in-law, who was like in his 40s at the time. I was 16. Uh, this older guy named Troy, and then this older, older guy named Harold, who was like 60. And we were the crew. And one day we were at a house in John Smoltz's neighborhood in Atlanta, Georgia. Massive house in his neighborhood. And this was in like, this was like 99, summer of 99 or 2000. Um, and Troy brought out a, um, a device, a, a dildo is what he brought out, that he had found in a lady's uh, nightstand. And it was massive and electronic, and I'd never seen one of those before. <laughs> and... I got an education. This so show I did, is really I derailed from the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> once we got I to Johnson Wagner. An edu- yeah, <laughs> I did walk away with an education from that job, but it sucked. It definitely sucked. Also, honorable mention: the next best job I ever had was caddying at Augusta National. I know I've mentioned that. I was about to say. I kind of thought I my thought job that now was is be, way better. I thought that was going to be your. No, yeah, you cop out. I mean, cop out with your job right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all great. Woohoo. Okay, the Augusta National, caddying at the National is a pretty good game, I mean, too. You, so. I right, think the best job should be the one where you really didn't have, like, you enjoyed it, but there wasn't a whole lot of pressure. So, I mean, and maybe you don't have a lot of pressure in your job well, right now, but you you'd still, you got you, you to do, do a lot more for the that, family that than case, you, did, you did when uh, you were caddying at the Augusta National. Yeah, I guess I'm just saying, like, in terms of now, like, I, the money and the travel and all that's a lot better. So, but, I mean, yeah, the, the National is very perky, of course, and no pressure whatsoever. So, that, that, and if that's the standard, then it would easily be the National. 
But I was like part time. I was in school. I, I don't know. I just didn't. Anyway, that's enough of that. Tour Junkies podcast for the Honda Classic is a wrap. Twenty nineteen. We we'll back next week. We got Bay Hill next week, and we'll we need to remember that next week's chunk and run segment, the run segment, will be stories of us being horrible sports growing up. Uh, Pat, you mentioned that you had gotten into some trouble, I believe, as a youth uh, playing tennis or baseball or something. I have been kicked out of multiple uh, basketball games and baseball games as well. We can tell a couple fun stories on that uh, and, and pay homage to Bryson DeChambeau and Sergio Garcia lately. That'll be fun. Maybe somebody else will lose their cool in the golf course uh, this week. It'll, it'll remain relevant. Okay, great. Okay, all right. Thanks. Thanks for coming, Pat. Have a great week, everybody. May your screens be green for the Honda Classic. See you out!